Hello there! Before we get started with today's episode, I really briefly wanted to bring attention to our new Patreon page. We have so many plans for this podcast and the types of content that we want to produce. We have so many ideas of just amazing, fun stuff, and it would mean so much to us if you were a part of that, and if you could help support us as we try to make these all happen. If you're so inclined, the link to our Patreon will be in the description. Feel free to check it out, share it with your friends, your family members. If you're a part of a book club or a creative writing club or some club through your library, it would just mean so much to us if you could help make our podcasting dream come true. Thank you all. We really appreciate it. You're the best. And we hope that you enjoy this episode. Before we get started, I just wanted to mention that this essay will include discussions of sexual assault and the topic of hate organizations within the context of Harry Potter. So if that's something that you want to skip, you know, feel free to not listen to this episode. That being said, let's get started. In Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Lord Voldet, I mean, he who must not be named, returns. As Cornelius Fudge, aka Wizard Neville Chamberlain, astutely puts it, he certainly got a body and is walking and talking and killing, so I suppose for the purpose of our discussion, yes. He's alive. Voldemort celebrates his return by summoning his Death Eaters to him in the graveyard in Little Hangleton, the village where his parents once lived. The Death Eaters magically teleport to the graveyard, kiss his robes for some reason, and then form a circle. The spots in the circle have apparently been pre-assigned, and the murderous wizards leave spots open for their fallen and imprisoned comrades. Voldemort goes around the circle and brings attention to the open positions. One opening is large enough for two people. Voldemort stops and says that this is the spot where the Lestranges should have been, if not for the fact that they were apprehended and sent to Azkaban on the charges of torturing the Lawnbottoms. Two Lestranges are missing from the circle, but there were three Lestranges who went to Azkaban at that point in time, I think it's reasonable to think that Bellatrix, despite having gone to Azkaban for truly heinous crimes committed in the name of Lord Voldemort, wasn't a Death Eater. Yet. My name is Peter, and you're listening to Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. This topic interested me because it speaks to larger patterns within the wizarding community. 
Bellatrix is the best at what she does. Full stop. If Voldemort only recruited the most competent followers, she would have been a Death Eater much earlier. I don't think there is a single Harry Potter fan who would question her skill or ruthlessness. Therefore, there must be some sort of reason as to why she was denied a place in the ranks of the Death Eaters for so long. My theory is that we readers are so focused on the blood supremacy of the wizarding world that we often overlook the other forms of oppression that also coexist there. Similarly to our world, racism, transphobia, homophobia, ableism, colonialism, misogyny, and other forms of hate play a role in the spaces that are made available and closed off to certain groups of people. Bellatrix's ascension to the position of Death Eater helps us think through the ways in which misogyny is just as present in the wizarding world as blood supremacy. So, what is a Death Eater anyway? Technically, a Death Eater is a member of Voldemort's inner circle, who was branded with a dark mark, Voldemort's symbol, on their arm. Certain individuals, like the werewolf Fenrir Greyback, work closely with Voldemort, but don't have the dark mark and weren't considered Death Eaters. To be clear, the term Death Eater is not a synonym for evil. When I claim that Bellatrix wasn't a Death Eater, I want to be absolutely sure that we all understand she was absolutely evil. She may not have been in the inner circle at first, but she was certainly one of the most vicious and evil characters in the books. Bellatrix does eventually receive the Dark Mark and join the ranks of the Death Eaters, but it isn't clear when she was initiated. She is only shown to have the Dark Mark, thus being confirmed as a Death Eater, in the seventh book, when Harry and Co. are taken to Malfoy Manor. However, I think it's possible, and likely, that she received her Dark Mark shortly after having been broken out of Azkaban. During Voldemort's rebirthing party, he tells his guests that the Lestranges will be honored beyond their dreams when Azkaban is broken open. We never see how the other Lestranges are honored. Let's be honest, the only Lestrange who matters in the story is Bellatrix. But I think Bellatrix's reward was being given the Dark Mark and the title of Death Eater. That's how she would have wanted to be rewarded. In the memory of her trial, Harry hears Bellatrix tell the court that she and the others being arrested with her would gladly wait in Azkaban for Voldemort to return, and that they would be rewarded. In the Deathly Hollows, at Voldemort's dinner party, quote, Bellatrix leaned toward Voldemort, for mere words could not demonstrate her longing for closeness. Being accepted as a Death Eater would have been the best reward in her mind. She is fanatically loyal to Voldemort, and goes on to be his second-in-command. Snape may have been his most trusted Death Eater, but Bellatrix is the one who really embodies the ideology and the horror of the pure-blood supremacy hate group. But all this begs the question, why did it take so long for her to become an official Death Eater? She clearly wanted to be a Death Eater. Even her marriage to Rodolphus Lestrange seems to be rooted in wanting to get closer to Voldemort, rather than out of any interest for him. Rodolphus is barely in the books, and most people I talk to don't even remember Bellatrix having a husband. In the Cursed Child play, 
we learn that Beltrix even had a daughter with Voldemort during the events of Deathly Hallows. Marrying Rodolphus is easily read as a way of moving closer to the ultimate goal of getting close to Voldemort, especially when considering how Rodolphus was one of Voldemort's original followers at Hogwarts. I think the reason she wasn't originally a member of the Death Eaters is because she wasn't allowed to be. Though she was certainly powerful and believed in much of what the Death Eaters believed in, something kept her out. If you can, pick up a copy of the Goblet of Fire and look back at the chapter The Death Eaters. Who are the Death Eaters? Wizards. Rowling doesn't use the term wizard to apply to all magical beings. And we know that the world of Hogwarts does a lot to try and naturalize gender and erase trans people. So when she uses the word wizards, it generally refers specifically to cis men. And this is confirmed by the people who are named in the graveyard. Peter Pettigrew, Lucius Malfoy, Crabbe, Goyle, Avery, McNair. Those who we don't know from previous books are all referred to with male pronouns. The two Lestranges are referred to collectively as they, though that doesn't necessarily mean that Bellatrix is included in that number. But it isn't just this graveyard reunion that is exclusively male. Voldemort recruited followers back in his school days as well. They weren't called Death Eaters then, but they also were all male. In the Half-Blood Prince, in Slughorn's falsified memory, Voldemort is sitting at a table, eating dinner with members of his group and the potions professor. The friends of Voldemort that attend are all identified as being boys. Even a Lestrange is there, possibly Rodolphus, though maybe it was his father. We aren't given his first name. But it was a Lestrange, and it stands to reason that if Rodolphus or his father were one of the original Death Eaters, Bellatrix would want to get close to him especially if she wasn't allowed to be part of the inner circle all by herself during the First War. Rodolphus is her way into the club. Jumping ahead in time, most of the Death Eaters during the Second Wizarding War are men. When Bellatrix escapes from Azkaban, she is accompanied by nine men. She is the only woman at the battle in the Department of Mysteries. It isn't until the end of the Half-Blood Prince that we meet the only other known female Death Eater, Electo Caro, who is most famous for being the sister of fellow Death Eater Amicus, and for taking on the position of Muggle Studies Professor when Voldemort takes over Hogwarts. Was she only allowed to become a Death Eater because her brother was already one, and none of the other guys wanted to give up rampaging around the country to go and teach? We can't say for certain, but I think that particular reading makes a lot of sense. In fact, I think it's likely that Bellatrix paved the way for other female-identifying characters like Electo to join the Death Eaters. It isn't a glass ceiling that should have been shattered necessarily, but that's exactly what Bellatrix did. Maybe Voldemort saw her devotion to him and his plans and her incredible skill in battle, and decided to open up his organization to a wider array of people. Now, why would Voldemort limit his Death Eaters to men? I think this is a little bit less clear. There isn't a passage in which Voldemort gives his reasons in absolute terms for everyone to understand. Hate groups in the real world tend to be dominated by men, so it's certainly reasonable to think that that is the case in the wizarding world as well. 
In addition to all but two Death Eaters being men, the way they even target people is gendered. In the Goblet of Fire, for example, when the Death Eaters rampage around the campsite at the Quidditch World Cup, they levitate a Muggle family in the air. They don't do anything specific to the man or the kids, but they essentially sexually assault the mother, flipping her upside down and revealing her undergarments. In the Half-Blood Prince, Harry hears about a number of murders of women committed by the Death Eaters. Sure, they murder everyone, but there seems to be a focus on mothers in particular in this book. My last example isn't something that was implemented by the Death Eaters, but by Salazar Slytherin, the man who inspired the Death Eaters and Voldemort. The entrance to his secret chamber underneath a school that holds a basilisk for the express purpose of ridding the school of Muggleborns is in the girls' bathroom on the second floor. I know that Pottermore claims that the entrance was only hidden in the bathroom later by a Malfoy, and even though I don't think Pottermore can be used in a strictly textual analysis, since it provides information that isn't in the actual physical texts, if someone did decide to use that particular article, my point still stands. Voldemort also displays some casual misogyny. On the Deathly Hollows, we see Voldemort enter the Potter's house in Godric's Hollow. Voldemort calls Lily a silly girl before killing her, despite the fact that Lily is an actual adult. Patriarchy frames women as being silly or not serious, and we see Voldemort clearly hold that perception. And that isn't the only time he refers to a female as being silly. In the Chamber of Secrets, when Tom Riddle tells Harry about how Ginny wrote in his diary, he says that it's very boring having to listen to the silly little troubles of an 11-year-old girl. He doesn't offer similarly gendered insults to any males. In the same scene, he insults Harry, but calls him skinny, which isn't even necessarily an insult, but an accurate observation. Maybe he hasn't thought through his misogyny, but it seems reasonable that he wouldn't take Bellatrix's initial desire to join the Death Eaters seriously, and would have rejected her. Unlike the others, she had to work harder to prove that she was serious about joining him. Voldemort also had a complicated history with his mother that may have impacted his misogyny. When he first learned of the Wizarding World, Dumbledore suggests that Voldemort believed his mother was a muggle because she died in childbirth. In Voldemort's mind, a witch would have been able to save herself. His mother was just a fact of life that didn't merit any thought. Eventually, he discovered that his mother was indeed magical, while his father was the muggle. But rather than boost his opinion of his mother, this information probably made things worse. Not only did she die, which Voldemort viewed as a sign of weakness, but she fell in love with a muggle. Falling in love and muggles were beneath Voldemort. Everything that he learned about his mother informed how he treated women moving forward, mocking their thoughts and desire to keep others safe, and believing them to be silly and unworthy of consideration. The fact that Bellatrix managed to join the Death Eaters after so many years demonstrates really just how skilled and dedicated to Voldemort she is. When I've proposed this theory before, I've received some pushback. The first thing that some people have suggested is that Rabiston 
Bravastin, Bellatrix's brother-in-law, died in Azkaban, and so his place in the Death Eater Circle in the Goblet of Fire was filled in. That is false. He is at the Ministry in the fifth book. And even if he had died, there are three other spots in the circle that are still reserved for dead people. The other idea I've heard a lot is that Raviston is too young to join the Death Eaters. First of all, we don't know his age. However, if the Lestrange from Slughorn's dinner gathering is indeed Rodolphus, then Rabastin is probably near 70 years old during the later books. He may even be older than Rodolphus. We don't even know how old Bellatrix is. Again, Pottermore is super fun and interesting, but if you open a copy of the books, you will not find the same information in there, so it is irrelevant in a textual analysis. But let's assume that Rabastin was really young at the time of the First War. Well, that still makes Bellatrix the more likely to be denied the title of Death Eater. We only see one other female Death Eater in the second to last book, but there are two young male characters who join the group. Draco Malfoy becomes a Death Eater at 16 in the Half-Blood Prince, and Regulus Black was probably also in his teens. According to Sirius, Regulus died 15 years before the events of Order of the Phoenix, around when Voldemort first lost power. Based on the years on James and Lily's gravestone, Sirius would have been around 21 years old at the time, and Regulus would have been even younger. And, unlike Draco, Regulus wasn't chosen to be a Death Eater for Voldemort for any special reason. He just joined up and then volunteered to lend Creature the House Elf to Voldemort. So, the young Rabiston theory isn't supported by the books. Voldemort doesn't seem to mind recruiting teenagers. I think this idea that Bellatrix wasn't originally a Death Eater is really interesting. Blood status and the ways in which purebloods have organized society to exclude muggles and muggle-borns is emphasized as the main system of exclusion and hate in the books. But just like our own world, the wizarding world is complex, and there are multiple ways in which people are oppressed. Hogwarts actively honors a blood supremacist by naming an entire house after him. Pansy Parkinson yells racist things at Angelina Johnson on the Quidditch pitch. And trans people can't access the rooms that fit their identity. By looking into why it took longer for Bellatrix to become a Death Eater, we can learn a little bit more about the oppression of women in the Harry Potter books. Yes, Bellatrix's main goal is joining a fringe hate group, but it speaks to this larger problem of men attempting to seize power in harmful ways and actively excluding and murdering women, and probably others, to achieve that power. Bellatrix is only allowed to join because she is useful to Voldemort. Allowing her to join isn't some sign that anyone can be a Death Eater if they just work hard enough and that misogyny doesn't exist, but reinforces the idea that these men are only willing to admit a woman into their ranks because of her utility to the man in charge. Systems of oppression intersect with one another and it's super important to be mindful of how certain things that are seemingly unrelated 
may actually impact one another. By investigating when Bellatrix joined the Death Eaters, we are able to trace larger patterns of societal oppression and the complexities of the wizarding world. Just one more additional thought that I had after I wrote my script. So, I know some people consider Narcissa Malfoy to be a Death Eater, but that isn't confirmed anywhere in the books, as far as I am aware. And I did take extensive notes on things even that I didn't mention within this essay. Like, I have, I do have a lot of pages of notes about who is referred to as a Death Eater, when the term is used, and I don't think it's ever applied to Narcissa. I don't know what Pottermore says on the matter, but again, I'm not really interested in Pottermore for this particular analysis. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have an amazing day. Bye.